Welcome to season three of Handpicked. It's so great to be back with a wonderful sponsor in Clearco, but what great businesses we have discovered. It's a great way to show and feel and learn about what's going on in Australian business. So if you like what you hear, perhaps you could rate us or review us or refer it to another business owner. Hello, Sarah, and welcome to Handpicked Podcast. Really great to have you on board. Really, really like what you're doing at Medistays, and we met via Remarkable, the accelerator program. So maybe first of all, if I get you to describe briefly a bit about your business and your business journey, and let's also have a bit of a chat about Remarkable. Fantastic. Thanks so much, Naomi. It's fantastic to be with you this morning. Um, So I have recently transitioned from an established career as a cancer researcher to lead our organisation Medistays. Medistays, uh, as you might have um, heard through Pete at Remarkable, is a website and service for people needing health and medical accommodation. The problem we're solving in Australia is that more than 7 million people live in country areas and if they need specialist medical care, they'll probably need to travel to their nearest city and we'll need somewhere to stay. And it's this part, finding somewhere to stay, that is one of the biggest barriers to accessing the best care. In fact, finding somewhere to stay can be so overwhelming for people that sometimes they delay or even decide not to travel for care. And tragically, this can impact survival. What we learnt during COVID was the growing demand for our service, especially around finding accommodation for people leaving hospital, So they might have had um, a progressive disease causing disabilities or an acquired disability and they might actually live in the city but if their home isn't suitable or accessible then how can they find accommodation to safely leave hospital and re-engage with their families and communities. So is it like an Airbnb where you have uh, people who provide accommodation and you are connecting them with uh, people who are in need? Not so much an Airbnb um, in that we don't uh, partner with private properties. Um, We have uh, a lot of uh, governance um, and protection around that. But we do pr- uh, partner with commercial accommodation providers, many um, providers of um, hotel and apartment style accommodation, also specialist accommodation in disabilities, um, disability providers, um, respite lodges and charitable lodgings um, with some of the charitable organisations across the country. Um, providing accommodation for rural and regional patients. That's fantastic. And how how do you uh, assess success with your businesses? Is it the number of nights that you provide, or is it the number of uh, available rooms or accommodation? What when you say you've grown sixteen hundred percent, what does that mean? How quickly we can support people to get out of hospital or to access the care that they need. Um, also the feedback from people and this is the most rewarding and humbling part of Medistays for for me and our team is that uh, feedback from people when we support them and to know that we've made such a positive impact to helping them to actually access care rather than putting it off Um, and the relief and peace of mind that gives them and also for people coming out of hospital. Some of the people we've supported have been living in hospital um, for six to 12 months and even longer. So this is a huge milestone uh, in their journey to be discharged from hospital and really connecting back with their families and communities. 
Wow. So let's just talk a bit about the business. How long has the business been around? How big's the team? Um, Medistays was founded around four years ago. Uh, it was really uh, an idea that came uh, to Craig, my co-founder and I. We were both working in cancer clinics and kept hearing from patients how hard it was to travel, to find accommodation uh, and to travel from the country. Um, and And we were both working in our own careers at that time, but it was just that itch that we had to scratch, uh, kept on working. And then really last year is when we um, accelerated the business um, and we've now got um, four full um, permanent members of the team and then a whole um, extra layer of consultants, our tech team, um, our board and, and building that team up and we're, we're looking at growing uh, quite a lot in the next six to 12 months. And Remarkable, maybe if you describe a little bit about the Remarkable program. I'd love to. So earlier this year, Medistays was selected for the 2021 Remarkable program. Uh, Remarkable is an accelerator program run by the Cerebral Palsy Alliance and we joined six other early stage companies focusing on positively impacting the lives of disabilities. They were based across Australia and one um, incredible founder in Tunisia. Um, Naomi, I know that as a governor of the CPA, you'll know what an incredible values-driven community this is and it was such a privilege for Medistays to be part of it. Um, I think for me, one of the highlights of Remarkable was not only working uh, with the team um, and our mentor, Ben Reid, to create inclusive design and solutions for people with disabilities, but also embracing the contributions of people with disabilities to build inclusive workplaces. Um, and I guess that leads me to my first question for you, because we've got ideas for Medistay's own workplace, but I'd love to know what you have seen as best practice for inclusive workplaces and organisations who are harnessing the potential of this opportunity. Yeah, and believe it or not, these lockdowns and COVID represent a good opportunity if, if employers shift their thinking in the sense of people with, now that we have hybrid work, people have been able to work, uh, depending obviously what it is, if they're in the services area or manufacturing, very difficult, but um, that people can work from anywhere and have fulfilling careers. And as such, we are seeking for employers to rethink about what employment can look like if somebody no longer has to travel to a city or just even commute um, because that can be really restrictive for people with mobility issues or disability and so forth. So uh, it represents an opportunity, but I'm working particularly on trying to shift employers' views around there's a whole, there's something like 15% of people globally live with a disability of some sort. That's a massive opportunity when it comes to um, uh, at skilled uh, labour and um, and that's what people are needing more of. And we've known, and Cerebral Palsy has all the numbers, that actually they're available for work and um, medical uh, doctor's appointments and all sorts are often happening outside of the work hours and that it's a very minimal impact, especially when those mobility issues are taken away. So when you think about your own workplace, um, it is around how people can access that. And we're not we're talking about beyond wheelchair access, but we're talking about how people can come together to that place. And and one of the things that we said as part of our ESG program is that we have to have an office where people can get to on public transport uh, easily because for us we just don't believe that 
people should have to get into a car to go to work. And that was one of the principles. And obviously then obviously about ease of access and more than one point. We did do a uh, review of where everybody lived, what postcodes, not just as part of COVID. We'd done that anyway because we wanted to make sure that, uh, again, with that footprint, that we were as close to where our team was. Uh, Our office is in Sydney in CBD, and the reason why it's in there in a five-star rated building is because actually that was the most central. We had people everywhere uh, from such a long distance. And now uh, part of our commitment to our team is that they can work interstate, they can work in rural, they do not have to come to the office. And um, as long as that their um, job affords that, and honestly, I don't think that there's any that we've said doesn't work. So I think that thinking about accessibility is not just about the wheelchair, it's about how people get to and from. Another thing about accessibility is when we have team activities or uh, or what we call town halls, they're always in the middle of the day. Um, and we, for people who are looking after aged parents or have got young children or whatever, you know, that morning and evening time can just be very, very challenging. So we only do events inside of work hours and that's about inclusiveness as well. Yeah, that's a fantastic point as well. I think uh, your point around uh remote working our team all work remotely I guess we've been forced to in Melbourne Um, it's a bit hard to imagine actually working in the office together and some of our team do have children with disabilities I think what um, has really resonated with us is when we're working with particularly young people on their accommodation bookings they might have acquired a disability Um, they're extremely skilled um, and talented and have many um, talents that they could bring to our team, but they are required to attend a lot of medical appointments. And if they could fit into a workplace where that was supported and they've got the flexibility um, to do that, I think that would be a really fantastic opportunity for our team as a whole uh, to bring them on board as well. Yeah, there's a massive move in leadership to think not about outputs but outcomes. And that really does provide with a truly flexible workplace because when you, let's say you're in, I don't know, sales, it's not about did I make 100 phone calls, it's about did I make five connections and therefore it is about outcomes. So the way that leaders are beginning to design their key performance indicators or people's objectives or their job descriptions is not about how much time did I show up for, it's about what did I produce in the available and, and that that aligns to the plan and um, making sure that people's um, outputs, they know the contribution that they're making. They can see where they fit into the plan and as such have a sense of accomplishment. So um, that that outcomes-driven approach to leadership is transforming how people work, what work looks like and where people need to work. So therefore, if you do have medical appointments or you know they can be at any time of the day, well, it's not about that. Um, it is about what did I contribute and how am I a team player? And I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, absolutely agree. And I think our our team overall uh, would agree with that as well, really coming together to achieve that goal. Um, So you mentioned ESG there. And um, as a board uh, at MediStays, we're committed to establishing our ESG policies and a framework around this. We've had some wonderful conversations about opportunities for MediStays and recently signed up to Pledge 1%. Our first step is to donate a minimum of 1% of our profits to organisations that closely align with MediStay's vision and values. 
Um, and I'd be really interested uh, if you could share how you established your commitment to ESG with your companies early on and how it evolved as they established and grew over time. We engage the team because whilst strategy is um, often um, is created by the leaders, really the ESG program, uh, leaders know that no, no, no business should should just think that this isn't important because it's not only just important to their employees, it's also important to their customers. But what we did not want to do is just put lip service to it. And it's pretty easy. You know, everybody's got, oh, I got an ESG statement, but what are you really doing about that? And so we found it really needed a framework. So the first thing is we went to the team and we decided to use the good life goals because we needed a framework. Well, what does ESG mean to you? Well, for me, it's about public transport. Oh, for me, it's about being vegan. You know, everybody's got a different viewpoint. And because ESG for us needed to represent our team and our people and that we wanted them to participate and, you know, the volunteering and so forth. So we we asked them to select from this range of good life goals um, which ones resonated the most because we can't do all things. So let's choose one, two, actually we chose I think seven and then we're working towards those and that means that we underpin that. I think it doesn't matter what you're trying to achieve in a business, if you've got a framework then you can see the stepping stones and you can have a scorecard and you can see the outcome. For us, because we work in a five-star rated energy efficient building, we're an office-based kind of business or working from home, getting just a carbon neutral wasn't enough for us. That's not a big enough contribution. That is a bit of a tick and a flick. So we needed to work hard on other things and that gave us a framework. And how did the framework really integrate with the social aspect then around those goals if it wasn't so much of a focus on you know, you were, you were ticking the boxes for environmental. Yeah. Um, I must say this was all driven by the team and our fabulous head of um, people and culture, um, Maddie. I guess that's the point too as a leader of the business. This had to come from the leaders, the people managers and the people within the business and what was important. Community is really, really important to us and as such, the um, good life goals represent that and our contribution. So that includes volunteering time. But we found that if we just said, oh, you can go and volunteer, that often it didn't happen because people are busy in their jobs. So then we created volunteering opportunities. We asked people, we, we give a lot of donations to organisations with our experience vouchers, which they can use for raffles and raising more money and so forth. But we asked those based on this framework, which ones do you rec- recommend? So it was really... A program of consultation and participation over a long period of time and in our internal comms every week we talk about what we got done and what we what we did and this is far more of an internal conversation than an external one I know it is listed there on our website and I know that we have you know um, carbon footprint analysis and one of the other um, uh, companies we're speaking to in this series is called um, our dash trace.com and there's a little cross promotion there because you know that's part of what they do is is look at um, the carbon footprint but it it's far more of an internal conversation it's kind of like we need to know we're doing well ourselves it's not it's not just a platform for um, marketing and there's too much of that oh you know this is real people doing real things to support the community I mentioned you know, earlier we just we touched on Medistay's growth um, and the scope of services we provide is growing. When we've recruited to Medistay's this year, we've focused heavily on recruiting for values. 
um, and we have a really incredible team on board. As the demand for MediStays grows, what have you seen that are great examples of businesses scaling their teams on values to really continue delivering the impact to those communities? Values. Um, I think probably the biggest example, if we're going to go into the billions of dollars, is probably Salesforce. Uh, Salesforce every year um, have a program of reviewing their values, though they continue to align and then rolling them out throughout the organisation within a couple of weeks, I believe. So they have what they call OKRs, which is basically key performance areas. They look at strategy, then every leader has to come up with their OKRs. At the same time, they're working on their values of how they want to do that. And values as a word can often be misunderstood. There is value as in value creation versus how I'm operating this business, which is my values. So, and sometimes um, that can kind of get mis. The value I'm delivering to the business might be on these key critical pillars of our strategy versus these are the values that I am living by. So one is the what and the other is the how. I used to always say back in the early days when people said, aren't you scared that people will just copy your business? And I go, look, they can, but they can never copy who we are. They can't copy our relationships they can't copy our values so for me values has always been a strategic and competitive advantage and I think um, you know as a large enterprise Atlassian has its values and it continues to operate by those but I happen to have done a fair bit of work with Salesforce and I've seen them in operation and how they use them as a mantra when they're trying to solve for certain things so in a meeting they'll say well what do our values say and that's where they put focus their energy. Um, my final question, um, and it, it, it still ties together on this. So around, we really, we feel as though we have a, a really thorough understanding of the outcomes um, that we can contribute here for Australians needing our service. Um, we want to scale the impact that we're making. And to do this, we believe it's the right time for MediStays to reach key people in governments, large health, disability organisations. I'd love to hear your insights into how you would go about reaching those people so that we can scale our impact and achieve better outcomes for people across the country. I always think it's better to have somebody else tell your story than you tell your story, um, particularly. Now, if we think about the work that we're doing in cerebral palsy, one of the things, and I sit as a governor on the research uh, foundation, one is, is the reporting so we deliver a report that speaks to the research that we've invested in, the outcomes, and we have research briefings, and then we have it documented, and then we release that. And so that level of independence, and it's one of the reasons that I did ask about your key metrics. If I think about the room nights, um, the number of things that book, the outcomes that are you del delivering, the, the short, shorter periods of people being a nimbo. But think about what are those key metrics that really speak to this story because then that can be used by whether it be a journalist or whether it be by um, somebody in a professional organisation or whether it can be used by the NDIS. But having those key metrics 
to be able to ha- allow other people to tell your story will really support you because ultimately you want people to approach you for support rather than you spending a lot of time and energy nodding on doors going, no, we're doing a really good job, see. So um, I think that that's, that's very try and get somebody else to be your advocate on your behalf. I always think it's your job to write the songbook get other people to do the singing. Fantastic. I guess with my, my research I had on um, yeah, that side of it really resonates. Um, it's a it's an interest I have and I can't wait as we really build the data in MediStays and set up a platform to collect that and, and note it. And I guess Remarkable was a terrific opportunity to really connect and, and for Remarkable to open some of those doors to us with their partner organisations. So that is uh, really great feedback. Yes, and to other business owners who may be listening and if you're working in human mobility or um, in the in the human space, uh, Remarkable is, is committed as an accelerator and is, you know, it, I think it's gone up this year. I think it's $75,000 that they're giving. And so it's a really nice uh, amount of money to help you get to proof of concept uh, in this particular space. So, uh, yeah, of course, I'm going to be an advocate of Remarkable. I, I think the more innovation and the thinking that we can do in human mobility is going to be really, really critical. Yeah, I absolutely agree that it is absolutely a remarkable community. And I was blown away by the people we were introduced to. Everyone involved in Remarkable is clearly aligned with their values, really values driven. So that was a huge highlight for us. They're people who are set to change the world. And it's a wonderful cohort and community of which then you have forever. And I do love the way they bring everybody back. So it's really quite a lovely, uh, not just cohort, but community who you're all learning from each other. And that that's, that's equally important. I think it's wonderful. Sarah, I've loved having you on Handpicked. It's been a delight to hear about your commitment to making our community a slightly better place and for every person who has access to accommodation so they can support their own health journey. Thanks so much, Sarah. Thanks, Naomi. It's been such an honour to spend the morning with you. Have you just discovered us at Handpicked? Well, we've been doing three seasons. So if you've not heard previous episodes, there's so much to learn and discover. And who knows who you might meet.